0: Hey everyone, welcome to the You've Got 10 Minutes podcast. Have you ever wondered, what's the most important thing in life? Stay tuned for today's lesson on the greatest commandment. Hey guys, this is Ben Willis and welcome to episode 4 of the You've Got 10 Minutes podcast. Today's episode, The Greatest Commandment. Question, in a word, what is the most important thing in Christianity? What is the supreme ethic? There are a few words that might come to mind when I ask this question, but for most of you, the word you're probably thinking of is love. And for good reason. I mean, the Bible is full of commandments that we love God and love other people. For example, here's how Jesus addressed this issue in Matthew chapter 26. Someone said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, we've got our first question answered. We're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. Okay, so here's another one, and this one's tougher. What is it? If someone walked up to you on the street and said to you or me, Christians are supposed to love, right? So what is that? What is love? It seems like a simple question that everyone knows the answer to, but if pressed, I think most people would be at a loss for words. You or I might end up saying something like, well, you know it when you see it. You might reference the scripture we often hear at weddings about how love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, etc. from 1 Corinthians. Those scriptures are quite helpful, but they don't fully answer our question. Part of the problem we have is the cultural baggage associated with the word love. Culturally, many people associate that word with romantic love, which sometimes is actually more like infatuation. This is often the case when people talk about being in love. Someone might say they love a sports team, or a pizza place, or a movie, or their hometown, or a band, or a pet. What these folks are actually describing is a sense of personal affinity for something. What they're really saying is, I like this thing a lot because it makes me feel good. Think about it. We love the pizza because it tastes good. We love the movie because it invokes emotions in us that make us feel good or makes us laugh. We love the sports team because it's fun to be a part of something bigger. We love our hometown because it reminds us of good memories and family and friends. We love a dog or a cat because we get some of the elements of human companionship without any of the work of human companionship. The common thread among all these things is that they have some unique quality that makes us feel good. Is it okay to like these things? Sure. But as Saint Augustine said, all sin is essentially disordered love. When we love things more than we should, our loves are disordered. Put another way, if we actually love the things that make us feel good, we will pursue them at the expense of loving God and loving others. And in that sense, we will engage in idolatry. How, you ask? Well, by putting ourselves in the place of God as the ultimate object of our love and affection, our worship, as it were. And self-worship is the oldest sin in the book. And there are a thousand ways to get there. This is just one of them. So let's circle back. Part of the problem we've got is we don't really know what love is. The world doesn't know what love is because the world doesn't know God. Jesus said, quote, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me first. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. That's John 15, 18. So again, what is love? Well, in the simplest sense, God is love. That's 1 John 4, 8. And when we become a follower of Christ, God himself, the Holy Spirit, begins to dwell inside us. As Paul wrote to the Christians at Corinth, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Put another way, God fills us up with himself, with love, making it possible for us to share love with others. This is what Paul means when he says he can do nothing without love. If we want to truly love others, we need God, otherwise any interaction we have with anyone or anything will be tainted by selfishness. God allows us, by indwelling us and meeting all our needs, to move toward true selfless love through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a tree growing inside believers. The evidence of love present within the believer will be the production of fruit that is visible. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's Galatians 5.22. Put another way, if love is the fire, the fruit of the Spirit is the smoke. So we know what love is. How do we get it? How do we access it personally? We need God to get access to love. We get God in a real sense through His Son, Jesus Christ. The life, work, person, and sacrifice of Jesus has made God not only accessible to us personally, but he's literally in pursuit of us. One poet accurately described him as, quote, the hound of heaven, meaning he is in tireless pursuit of us. We gain access to him and the love he offers by believing in the one he sent, by turning around from our old way, asking forgiveness, and accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. With that, the Bible says God begins to live inside us and begins changing us. It is only through this process that we can really love the Lord God with all our hearts, souls, mind, and strength, because that is literally impossible for a sinner like you and me to do without divine intervention. Put another way, we need God's help for us to even love him in the first place, and we certainly need God's help to love our fallible neighbor. So, in a nutshell, God is love in every sense of the word. We access love by drawing closer to God, and we do that by accepting the one God sent. So now we know what love is and how to get it, great. But the real nuts and bolts of this episode are how do we apply it, how do we use it? We need God's help to follow the commands he's given. What part do we play in all this? Here I wanna focus on two words. These words are important to this lesson so I'm going to repeat each word. The words are obedience and flourishing. If you're listening, feel free to repeat these words with me. It will help you remember obedience and flourishing. Starting with obedience. Loving God has everything to do with obedience. We are being obedient when we repent of our sins and accept Christ. There may be periods, even long periods, where you don't feel particularly loving. Notice that we're not commanded to feel any way at all, and that may be a relief to some of you. We're commanded to love, to do love. You and I can be loving without feeling particularly loving. When God enters our lives, He increases our capacity to love Him and others, if we let Him. We let Him by showing obedience to the Holy Spirit and to commands from Scripture. Jesus said, quote, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. That's John 14, 21. Interesting, the test Jesus himself puts on those claiming to love him are whether they obey his commands. He also says his disciples will be known by their love. We show obedience by listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and following those instructions. This may, in practical terms, look like offering an apology when we don't want to, prioritizing exercise instead of laziness, tempering food and alcohol, reading scripture and praying daily, avoiding sinful habits, showing patience when anger would be easier, and recognizing the authority of scripture when we want to justify disobedience. When we choose to obey in these ways, it's like we're allowing God to water that tree inside of us that grows the fruit of the spirit I listed before. Put another way, practical obedience to God will become habit, then part of your character, then will soak into all aspects of your heart, mind, and soul until you actually feel more loving. But it's important to remember that feeling is a byproduct, not the goal. When we regularly choose obedience to God, we are loving Him. And the sin that would otherwise shrink us and separate us from God slowly loses its power. Christ is the only example of a human who was completely unencumbered by sin. We will know we are loving God if, through obedience, we are starting to look more like Christ. The second word is flourishing. Remember this, real love always encourages human flourishing. That test is important because there seems to be a great deal of confusion culturally about what love is. That's part of the reason for this episode. The word flourishing is the standard for how we are to love our neighbors. What do I mean by that? Think of it this way. Human beings are different from God. We often have needs. We certainly all have shortcomings. We are finite and limited. God loves us but needs nothing from us. He wants our obedience because it leads to our flourishing and because he made us to love us. Human beings need to be loved in a different way. None of us, this side of heaven, is perfectly flourishing. Even people who are very mature in their faith still have struggles. So what do we do? In order to love our neighbor as ourself, we must pursue their flourishing even at our own expense. The greatest example of this in history is, of course, the cross. Jesus, for our flourishing, went to the cross in a real moment in history to pay our unpayable debt. He gave his life for the flourishing of another, and that's the greatest act of love. To do this well, you and I must daily give up our own wants, needs, desires, and selfishness in exchange for obedience to God and in pursuit of the flourishing of our neighbors. You may ask, well, how do I know what's good for my neighbor? I mean, how do I know what would lead to their flourishing? And that's a great question, and the answer is wisdom. And if you've read the Bible, you know that we are commanded to seek wisdom at every turn. How to get wisdom, that's a different episode. I'm still working on it myself, frankly. In a nutshell, though, obedience will eventually lead to more and more wisdom, because you'll be reading the Bible, you'll be spending time with God, and you'll grow in wisdom. And that will show you what to do to help people flourish more. So there you have it. God is love. We access love by accessing God through Jesus Christ, and we show love by obeying God and pursuing human flourishing, even if it costs us. That's love in a nutshell. I hope you're finding these podcasts useful. If so, tell your friends and family to listen. Subscribe. Pass them around. It's free. I'm praying for you all. Let's pray now. Father God, I pray that you would help us to love you and love others well. In Jesus' name, amen.